Hello, Barry Winbolt here with another edition of Get a Better Handle on Life. Today, I'm in conversation with Adele Lear. She's a career coach and strategist with a gift for rescuing people from jobs they really don't enjoy. She's also one of 20 or so experts at Livemore. Livemore's a free personal development mobile app that brings you the knowledge you need to expand your life skills and realize your personal and professional life goals. The app gives you access to personal development tips, quizzes and practical exercises created by a global network of experts on a wide range of topics. For example, relationships, mental and physical health, life of work, parenting, career, finance and much, much more. This episode is sponsored by Livemore, and I'm also very pleased and proud to be one of their experts. And so Adele and I are going to discuss some topics that interest us both, and I hope it'll give you an insight if you're one of those people who's maybe reviewing where you are in life as a result of what we've all been through with the pandemic and so forth, and perhaps you're just thinking you'd like to tweak your career or change your direction a little, Whatever it is, I think you'll find a lot of value in this conversation. And by the way, the Livemore app can be downloaded to your phone. You can use it to connect with us, with the experts, and ask questions, get answers via the chat function. So any personal development questions, turn to the Livemore app. You can download that from your usual sources. So on with the show. So, hello Adele. Hi Barry, thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's brilliant to be able to talk to you and uh, I'm really interested in your work. I was looking through your uh, publications, through your articles on, on the app, where you said you work with people feeling stuck in their careers. Could you yeah. say a little bit more about that? I think a lot of people get to a point where we suddenly start questioning what we're doing every day and we're not often we're not growing and they start feeling a bit stuck of how do i you know how do i change my job and particularly you know when we've got bills to pay mortgages or family you know the thought of of changing your job it can you know it can feel not very easy yeah and so this sense of stuck you know i don't like what i'm doing on a day-to-day basis but i don't really know how to change it okay and i think also kind of what is coupled a little bit with stuck is then also lost so if i became unstuck i then start feeling lost well where would i where would i go what would i you know what would i do so a bit of the devil or the deep blue sea or yeah. the fear of out of the frying pan into the fire. But somebody might feel they're not growing. How does somebody know if they're growing? I think it's that sort of balance of being excited and challenged, having a level of motivation and joy and fulfillment that you're using your skills and your strengths and really, you know, creating an impact and enjoying what you're doing. If it feels very much on sort of Groundhog Day and you're, you know, you're bored, you're uninspired, you have no energy, you know, often these are signs that you're just really not growing and you're not enjoying what you're you're doing. Because I spent 15 plus years in recruitment and the key factor why people came to me looking for another job wasn't salary. 
which is what a lot of um, you know a lot of people would think. It was actually around this growth and wanting more, feeling like you know they desired and deserved more. There was also um, you know a lot around their boss or the culture fit. See, it was the the key two factors why people were looking to leave jobs, not around the salary. So it was more about the culture of the workplace and whether they felt they fitted and whether they had some degree of fulfilment yeah. in their work rather than money. Yeah. So that's Absolutely. Interesting. You also quoted a very startling statistic in one of your uh, reads on the Livemore app that I went through and that is that only one in seven I think people feel that sort of spark with their job yes the levels and it varies from country to country but the actually employee engagement figures are particularly low the the majority of people are turning up to a job that they they don't like and they don't enjoy and are looking to leave and I, I guess we'll get to a bit more about the pandemic and lockdown later but yeah. uh, just to make a point here that actually a lot of people are questioning all sorts of things as a result of our experience over the last 15, 18 months. Yes. And of course, much is changing for people and people have discovered quite a lot about themselves in that time, I guess. Yes, there's actually been some recent studies done and there's a movement that's being named the Great Resignation. Right. People are questioning much more their work and, you know, what's next after the pandemic, because I think we've had an opportunity to to live a very different life that's given us a um, an insight into actually what could it be like. And also, I think if you take away perhaps you're working for a company in a business because you really like the people and you take that away and you're very much at home just doing the work. It really puts the spotlight on what you're doing rather than who you're doing it with or vice versa. So um, I, I think a lot of people are seeing things very differently from what's happened over the last 12, 18 months working from home. Yeah, it's a really interesting point about is it the people or is it the is it the work? Is it the job? And yeah. um, when you when you separate the two like that, I guess it becomes stark, quite, quite clear. And, yeah. and it must be a bit of a wake-up call or a shock for some people. And so this is a time when people might be thinking about change. I think that's an interesting word, resignation, because resigning from the job, of course, is, is a resignation. But also sitting in a job you don't like and putting up with it is also a form of resignation. And they're two completely different things. Yes. So let's think about for a minute, what, have, what do you think... Um, are that some useful takeaways that people might have from their recent experience? And just before you answer that, I'd just like to say that, you know, a lot of people have been very unhappy about lockdown and about the, the um, incarceration as they saw it. And, you know, some people don't have choices about where they live or how they spend their time and they might have felt uh, a bit claustrophobic and that type of thing. So um, there may be all sorts of things on the table that people want to change. But rather than fumbling about and worrying about what's wrong, what would be a useful starting point, do you think, for somebody who thinks, right, I've, I've got to earn a living, I've got my job at the moment, but I'm not happy. Where do I go from here? Okay, so, um, I mean, the, the first step is obviously to, to stop and acknowledge it rather than just continuing on and thinking that change isn't possible. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm a big promoter of 
you know, we can change things. It's often not an overnight, uh, you know, it does take a step by step. In terms of, you know, looking at your role, it's a case of kind of breaking it down. And when I'm working with clients, often what I get them to do is keep a bit of a diary day to day for a week or two so they can really see what part of their role are they enjoying what skills and strengths are they using that they really like to use and actually want to use more of because we grow in our careers we can you know we're building up really a kind of portfolio of different skills yeah, and strengths yeah. and we may be not using the ones that really you know kind of light our fire and give us fulfillment as much as we would like to so when we can start identifying those, um, you know, some key pieces really of the puzzle, uh, you know, what makes up the career happiness puzzle, it really gives us a sense of being able to, to, to look at it more clearly right? before we think to make a move. You know, what will come into that is the company I work for, does it align with my values? What are my values? Yeah. Do I like the people, the culture, the management style? What actually am I getting paid to do? You know, what are my key saleable skills along with what I want to do and I want to do more of? And then you turn up the level of happiness and fulfillment is when you're actually contributing something for the greater good or something that has meaning for you. So I suppose, I mean, a lot of people might be surprised by the fact, I'm not, I'm sure you're not, but the idea that it starts with a bit of soul searching, actually, and know thyself and understanding ourselves, because many people haven't thought about what their values truly are, what's important to them. And I'm struck by um, a kind of accord here that I am started out as a family therapist, and I work a lot in helping people uh, change aspects of their lives that are not working well for them. Uh, it's not all career-focused, although, of course, I've worked in that domain um, as, a, as a consultant. But the, the interesting thing that happens when somebody comes in, particularly for family therapy, and especially if they're on the point of divorce, or they think they are, or they're contemplating separation, they're very focused on what's not right. And one of the first tasks I send them away with, some serious homework, either jointly or separately, depending on the state of warfare in the relationship at that particular time. But uh, I always say to them, look, I'd like you to think for the next few days about what you want to keep in your life yeah. about this relationship. What are the aspects? What do you value in it? Is it companionship? Is it shared expenses? Is it you don't like living alone, so you like just having somebody else in the house or the apartment? So it's, it's a complete shift in perspective for people to actually start thinking about what they want rather than what they don't want. So absolutely. And after actually the first session with a lot of my clients, we literally create a list of I don't want, I don't like, and therefore I do want, I do like values that, you know, have meaning, values that are, are not important and, you know, really kind of breaking the steps down. And most of us are wired to the negative. So it it's easier for us to start there. Yeah. And But, you know, if we can start there and we can work backwards, well, if I don't want that, I don't want to do that anymore, I don't like this, it's then about, well, if I don't like that, what, you know, what's in replace of that that I do like? So absolutely, for a lot of us, it can be much easier to start with the, the you know, the dislikes and then start building a picture. 
one of the big, um, you know, and I'm sure you'll be aware of this, but one of the big sayings I have is if we don't get that clarity on what we want, we spend our life moving away from what we don't want and we never get any further to what we want because we don't know what it is. So it's such an important process. Yes, and one of the things about that, one of the aspects about that, I always say to people, always go towards what you want that which you want, never mind what you don't want. And the problem with thinking about what you don't want and trying yes. to flee it in my language is that you keep it alive. So at the moment on the app, you know, Livemore are doing this big no smoking challenge, which I, I had a part in. And um, the whole philosophy of that is never mind about stopping smoking. Start looking at what it means to be a non-smoker and move towards becoming a non-smoker. Absolutely. And that's what I was just going to come to. You know, and a, another huge part of the process is really creating this, your own vision of success for the future, not um, the vision that's kind of where a lot of us can be conditioned to believe is around the salary and the status and the car. Um, and... Also, I think our vision of success changes at different stages of our lives. And so this isn't something that it's kind of, you know, you set and forget. It's something to keep reassessing. Um, you know, and I certainly know from my journey, when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, my vision of success was climbing this career ladder, you know, was becoming a manager and a leader. But then as I got to late 30s, my vision of success changed and it was around I actually want to have a laptop and work anywhere and sit in my jeans and a t-shirt and go for a swim at lunchtime so it's really about looking at you know what's you know how does my vision of success line up with my values the life that I want to live and you know where happiness would be for me outside of just climbing a career ladder and earning you know uh, yeah. Salary. Yeah. And and really, I suppose that taps into something which I find quite a lot of people don't allow themselves to do, which is dream. Absolutely. You know, having a dream is slightly highfalutin guru type language. But the bottom line is we need to know that it's OK to wish and hope for that which you want to create in your life. Definitely. And it starts with a dream. You know, the coaching work I do, I'm very practical and it's I'm an action taker. So it's kind of create the dream and that vision and then work back and really put the plan in place to make it happen. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk around this dreaming and manifesting, which is all great. And, you know, that is where it starts. But if you're not going to change, you know, who you're being and what you're doing, you're never going to Absolutely. change the, the outcome. So. I think that comes as a surprise to some people I work with that actually they're going to have to do some work on themselves. They're going to have to sit quietly and understand themselves and do some work on themselves. We're very often focused on what's wrong outside ourselves. But the thing I've found, which really continually, after many, many years, continually stuns me sometimes, is just how little personal change people have to make to start the process. It's almost, I think you said at the beginning of this conversation, it's about deciding, deciding where you are and deciding there's something needs to change. Uh -huh. um, I, I was just thinking about, you said, you know, the idea of uh, that we're, we're, we're bombarded, aren't we, with the dream of sitting by the sea on a beach, whatever, with your laptop, and this is work, and then you, you know, 
and all of that. Um, and many of us have managed that. And um, it's never as simple as, as the, the sales pitch would have it. And but but, you know, it does work definitely, in my view. But what I wanted to ask you was, is there a difference between when in terms of recruitment and when people are looking for their, their next job or reasons they're leaving their job? and moving forward in life and finding greater happiness, let's say. Is there a difference between how men express that and how women express that? Um, a little bit. I do find, you know, and studies have, have shown this, women do tend to be more critical on themselves. You know, and there's studies that show the amount of women that actually go for a promotion that will look at a job advert and see what they can't do. Whereas men do tend to come with a bit more of a level of confidence of I'm going to give it a go anyway mm -hmm. um, and, and go for it. If I'm allowed to say this, but they say women look at the mirror and they find everything that they don't like about themselves. And men look in the mirror and ignore the stuff that perhaps needs some work and focus on the, on the good things. And I think that there's there's a, you know, you have to have a bit of both. And it's the same with, you know, your career and your job search. It's really balancing out, actually looking at what you're good at and the bits that you're not so good at, but you want to improve or the bits you're not so good at, but you're just happy not being good at them. Very good point. And I suppose also, is the job going to allow you to develop some of the things that you think you'd like to develop? Yeah. Yes. Or are you just going to be a foot soldier or something? The reason I ask the question about men and women is that I see quite a lot of people in my work who are, especially around career change or uh, retirement time, when the men are really quite hung up about being useless you know, not having a place. They, they attach a lot of identity. We attach a lot of identity to our, our work. And I wondered if women do the same thing, if they allow the job to define them the way men do, in my view. I think it depends on the circumstances. Um, I know when I left the corporate world, there was kind of a grieving process I went through because it had become part of my identity and I really had to shift all of that with a career change and then shift it again when I became a mum because I wasn't just, you know, and I was um, became a mum quite late in life. I was 41. So I'd had, you know, 20 years of it being all around my career. So there was kind of a, a shift. So I think for, you know, for some women that, that it becomes, you know, their, their careers, their, um, you know, their babies again, then yes, it can. It can be part of our identity. And I think if we actually land on really what we love to do, which is kind of a natural innate thing to us, it is part of our identity. And it's always going to be something that we, we do in some way, shape or form, whether it's actually turning up to an office and yeah, being paid for yeah. it. That's really interesting, this point about becoming a mum in your case or, or becoming self-employed in my case. We're both self-employed people. And of course, a lot of people who are listening to this will be in some form working alone. They might actually not have a boss in the conventional sense, if they're freelancers, for example, or running a small business, or they may even be uh, employees, but effectively they're auto-directing. They're having to self-manage because they've opted or been required to work from home more because the office is shut, whatever it happens to be. So the point about 
career happiness and all of the points that you've mentioned, do you think they're as valid for freelancers and, and solopreneurs or do is there a sort of a different process? No, I think it's valid for right. for all of us. You know, I think when we're really wanting to land on this career happiness, it's actually kind of saying to ourselves, I want to be the best version of me. I want to step into my full potential. You know, one of the kind of terms that I use is it's really around finding this career golden thread that I believe we all have which is where it's this combination of our kind of natural strengths, our learned skills, what we love to do, why we love to do it. Um, and whether you're freelance, whether you're running a business or whether you're an employee, you know, when we can really get those pieces together, that's where we're going to thrive. Yeah, I love that idea of a golden thread because that is very evocative. It's an immediate image. The idea of a golden thread appeals to me because we can find ourselves in a career in a situation we don't like but have to tolerate. But if we've got a bigger goal and we know it's taking us that way, so for example, we might be doing a rubbish job while we're studying or we may be uh, having to do something to pay the mortgage until we've saved up enough to make a move of some sort. And to get us through that point, we're still hanging on to the golden thread. There's still a, a sense to this. There's a direction to this. We're not stuck. We're just moving yeah. through a phase which is serving a purpose at the moment, but we've still got our eye on the goal. Yeah. But then this is why it's so important to have that vision and that career plan. Then you can actually just see that moment in time as a bridge or a stepping stone yeah. that's taking you somewhere for a bigger purpose. And um, I, I wrote, I've written a few articles sort of on this on career transition and, um, you know, stepping stone jobs. But often people say, well, it's just a stepping stone. But then I would say, well, where to? And they don't actually know. So then it's not a stepping stone job because you haven't got the next stone in vision to be stepping to. Oh, I could do wonders with these metaphors. I mean, the thing is, have you ever been on stepping stones trying to get across the river? I have. Uh, and finding that the next stone is too far away. Yeah. You know, or there just isn't one or actually it's submerged. So, you know, it's really graphic. There's a lot of stuff one could do with this in terms of thinking about uh, forward movement in one's career in life. So post COVID, what you know, we, we've hopefully gone through this pandemic. Of course, it's changed things. And I won't go into all of that. But what are the career opportunities and possibilities as you see them presented by this moment in history? So I actually see it as I know it's been, a, you know, a negative for a lot of people going through it. Um, but I actually see it as a real positive coming out to the other side. The world of work was changing anyway. And it needed to change. Um, you know, the, the nine to five working model is last century. So it needed to change. COVID has just, you know, sped this up. We've seen a number of companies that are now totally embracing remote working, flexible working. There's a new flexible working bill that's trying to be passed in the UK at the moment. Right. Um, to offer that to all, which... You know, these the, the circumstances that, you know, COVID caused has really brought people pushing this movement forward. Um, so I see it as a massive, uh, you know, positive for just for all of us in, in the world of work. We can look globally, not locally mm -hmm. for roles mm -hmm. as these companies. And actually, um, 
was talking to a, a company in the US um, and they just recruited eight people that are not where the head office is based, where previously they've only been able to look for local talent. So it's actually a plus for both employees and employers. But it does mean as employees, it is so important that we really, you know, and I'm calling it step up and stand out for our superpowers. And we're not just relying on sending a resume to local jobs in the local market to get noticed and known. We really have to, you know, as employees, um, as employers are thinking differently to recruit globally, as employees, we really have to think differently and be, how do I get known yeah. by the right people for the right reasons to to enhance my career? Yes. And I guess when we're writing CVs and stuff like that, that we also have to consider that we're not too parochial, we're not too anchored in our own culture and our own language and the words we use that uh, and all of that uh, yeah. but that would take us down a whole different route so yeah I think just to touch on that um the I think the kind of human has been put back into business right and the just business sort of way and thinking and which was you know a bit robotic very formal is actually changing. Yeah. Well, I found um, I've been self-employed. My father was self-employed. My sisters were both self-employed. You know, it kind of runs in the family. It's in the genes, if you like. And yeah. so for me, working from home as a writer, as a therapist and all of that, it wasn't, although I've had proper jobs in my life and some pretty high-powered ones, um, the real um, trick of working from home was never something that eluded me. But it eluded some of the companies I worked for. I remember yeah. I was editor of a, a magazine in Paris. And I used to, at that time, I was spending some time in England. And they could not get it. You know, they couldn't get the fact that I wasn't in the office. And I had to go back there every couple of weeks, fly back, just to be present. And yet, you know, at that time, it was completely counterproductive because I got no work done. Uh, yeah. I shook a few hands, had lunch, did a couple of meetings, and then went back and got I couldn't wait to get back and get on with the real work which work. <laughs> was writing and editing and all of that and I think there has been at last thank goodness an awareness among employers that out of the office doesn't mean anything other than out of the office you know it doesn't yeah. mean second-rate employee it doesn't mean part-timer it doesn't mean in fact we know and perhaps you'll confirm this that people we who work from home actually put in a bit extra time they tend to be more effective and put in more hours than people who are in the office is that Right. Yeah, I just read an article on this actually the other day, you know, and it shouldn't necessarily be about the number of hours we're working. It should be about what we're delivering in those hours. Absolutely. That we work. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes kind of shown that people working from home are actually getting through their work in a shorter amount of time because they're not stopping to chat to someone at the desk, going to grab a coffee, talking in the kitchen. You know, they're they're actually they're personally saving time with the commute, which for some people, you know, for a lot of people is an hour each way. That's two hours a day wasted on commute. So working from home is giving people a, back a bit of that work-life balance. Yeah. And if they are getting through the work in six hours rather than eight hours, it just shows that actually sometimes being in that office, going to meetings that they maybe don't need to attend is unproductive time. And it shouldn't be, well, we're going to decrease their salary. It should be actually, you know, they're working very efficiently and they're, what they're producing is worth this amount of money, not the number of hours they're working is worth that amount of money. 
So I think there needs to be, you know, I think there's still a number of shifts that some companies, and I believe the companies that em- embrace this will attract the best talent. Okay. I mean, listening to you now, I realise that um, this idea of value that we've inherited an hour equals so much money equals so much productivity is very 19th century. It's actually, that is industry speaking. You know, if I spend an hour on the job and I I produce 27 widgets, I'm worth X. And it takes that time to produce those widgets. And if I'm slower, I'm not good value for the company. Whereas the sort of work we do now is very much different. And so that it it really does need a new mentality about how we think about work and value and time and all those things. Yeah, I have actually been researching some of this this week. haven't got all the studies up, but, you know, the nine to five model from memory was really around. um, It was Henry Ford that had, had done it. You know, it was very much around the more sort of, you know, factory manufacturing work which can be it's much more quantifiable in terms of what you can produce yeah. in a, in an hour you know nowadays this is really different and also we have to take into account you know the the knowledge that people have um one of the the pieces that uh pieces of work i do with people on this is really to know their value yes so they can start um kind of owning you know what they bring to a business mm. how it's this combination of who they are their skills and their experience and their traits and personality actually brings about a benefit um you know rather than them thinking of themselves in you know we often conditioned to think of ourselves in this job title box and this salary level box and you know i think if we can shift people's changing in terms of that they have a better opportunity to find the businesses that are also shifting their changing their thinking in terms of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well we've 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 covered a lot of ground, and I'm really grateful. I love speaking to you, and uh, I think there are all sorts of directions we could take for further conversations. Actually, maybe we'll come back to that another time. But for today, um, what? are the key points is there some way what's the main takeaway from this conversation if somebody's sitting on the fence they're a little bit worried they think they should they're not happy and all of the things we've talked about what should they do and how do they remember the points that they need to take away with them okay so kind of a a quick four sort of step approach and i actually have a workbook on this so we can um we can hopefully attach this um in the in the show I, I can attach the workbook to the podcast, yes. Yeah, marvellous. So first of all, it's really, you know, that stopping and actually zoning in on your zone of genius, in a sense, you know, really looking at what you're good at, your skills and your strengths, what you love to do and you want to do more of. Then really knowing your worth when you're using your skills and your strengths, what value is it bringing to a business? looking at your career achievements in a bit more detail because often people don't stop and do that and there's so much gold hiding in our career proudest moments um, that it's really worth doing that you know these kind of exercises really give you this career clarity and confidence before you go to market you might see that the company you're in actually is the right company you just need to up level your role and then it's a case of okay i need to go for a promotion it's not always a big dramatic change or you're not using any skills and strengths you enjoy, and it's maybe an upskilling for yourself. 
a key point which we've not touched on and it's a whole um probably podcast and a bit on its own is managing the mindset um you know yeah. really looking at um you know the stories that you're telling yourself um about your work about your abilities how to improve that to really help you be able to to go out there and either go for that promotion that new role or leave the corporate world okay i'd like to pick up on that point about mindset and i really think we should come back to that because as you know, and as an expert on Livermore, we both take questions uh, via the ask function on the app. Yeah. And one of the things that has cropped up for me quite a lot lately, and I don't know why, is questions about mindset. So can we just kind of make a diary date sometime to talk about mindset yeah. on the podcast? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 that's fine. And, it, you know, I was just thinking as I was saying it, it you know, there's, there's so much to cover. Yeah. Okay. So the mindset, the mindset comes from a sort of a self-evaluation of all the things you've just talked about, looking at your job, looking at what you're good at, looking at the very difficult area of things you may not have recognised about yourself, which others value and which gives value to the, to the employer, and, and, and fixing your mind, getting a sort of an idea of your mindset and your attitude and your approach before, before setting goals and doing the next step. Yeah. And this is all yeah. in your this fabulous workbook. I've looked at it and uh, there's a lot of detail in there. So it really would be a pathway for people to do this process, wouldn't it? Yes, absolutely. And it's got questions to ask and, you know, exercises to do. So it's, um, you know, quite a good self deep dive to get some good information to, to work with. So I'll attach that to the blurb about the podcast. Well, look, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you. Um, I'll leave the final word to you because you speak so well. There's so much interesting stuff I've listened to today. So how should we leave it today? Um, I, I always want to talk too much because there's so much to say. I would like to say that career happiness is possible for everybody and we don't have to be in a job that we don't like. Okay, so career happiness is possible for everybody and we don't have to be in a job we don't like. There you go, folks. Put it on a post-it, stick it on the fridge door, remind yourself of that daily because you're worth more than many, many people think you are. So, you know, if you're not valued, move. That's my message. And uh, be brave. Absolutely. It's been great. And uh, thank, thank you, Thank you so Adele. much. Okay, well, that was Adele Lear. What a lovely person and so much sound advice. Um, there's a link in the description of this episode for you to download Adele's workbook, How to Gain Career Confidence and Clarity, and that contains four easy-to-follow steps for her system. In the episode description, you'll also find a link to the Live More app, and you'll soon be able to access via the app Adele's new online course, Get Clear on Your Career. It'll be a video course, of course video course of course of course so this is barry wenvolt signing off for this episode um sign up for the podcast why don't you because there's some really interesting things coming up in the next few weeks uh, among them another live more expert uh, patricia thompson will be talking to me about emotional intelligence and i also have to hope to have a really fascinating contribution a conversation with somebody who has a fabulously interesting take on depression and getting out of it. So, this is Barry Wimbolt. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe if you've liked it, and I'll look forward to speaking to you again. 
Goodbye.